You are listening to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Wine-Banks and Victor Shi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations with experts on various issues facing our country today. Uh, my name is Victor. I, I'm the co-host of this podcast with Jill. I am also an incoming freshman at UCLA and um, was previously um, the youngest delegate in Illinois um, for the DNC convention for Joe Biden. And my name is Jill Weinbanks. I'm the author of The Watergate Girl, based on my experience as one of three trial lawyers for the Watergate Special Prosecutor's Office, the only woman, of course, in the room. And uh, I also went on to be general counsel of the U.S. Army, the uh, head of the American Bar Association, the um, Solicitor General and Deputy Attorney General of Illinois, and a corporate officer for both Motorola and Maytag. And uh, I'm active on the boards of a number of charities, including the Better Government Association of Illinois, and the proud co-host with Victor of this podcast, and hoping that you're enjoying it and will let us know your ideas for other shows, topics you'd like the us author. to discuss. <laughs> yeah, she's also the author of The Watergate Girl, um, which I think you forgot, but that is a book that you should all read, um, especially now when so many parallels between Nixon and Trump, and I'm sure we will get into that uh, later today during our recap. But um, okay, so first question that I have for you, Jill, is um, overall thoughts. Um, I'll let you start and then um, kind of go back and forth and um, okay. go from there. So it seemed to me that it was clearly an alternative universe and an, a, a delusional illusion created by the Republican National Committee at the convention and that it was clearly a cult which would be defined as loyalty to a person, not to the party, not to a platform, not to an idea. These were people who were loyal to Donald Trump. The Republicans did not have a platform, uh, did not present one, and when asked by any media, it was basically, if you liked what I did before, you're gonna like what I'm gonna do now. Um, and there was a lot of scary stuff to me and a lot of illegal things. And so I just want to talk about some of the illegal ones from my perspective. Obviously, I am a lawyer, uh, but you don't have to be a lawyer to know that some of what was going on was wrong. Using taxpayers' dollars for a lot of the events, which are normally paid for out of campaign funding, using the People's House, the White House, using a national monument, Fort McHenry, as a setting, using Marines as props, using Border Patrol agents in uniform sitting in a block at the White House for the closing night of the convention, using the Park Service uh, employees. This violates not only ethics and norms, it violates the Hatch Act, it's self-enrichment. It is, it's, it's absurd. Um, so can I introduce, uh, can I um, interrupt you for one second? Can you explain what the Hatch Act is? Um, yes. For our audience? Okay, cool. Yes. Uh, the Hatch Act has, I, I actually don't know how long it's been in effect, but it's been in effect since I was an employee of the Department of Justice. And I started at the Department of Justice in 1968. So we're talking about a long time it's been in effect. And it was in effect a long time before I got there. And it was intended to prevent pressure being put on civil 
employees, civilian employees mm -hmm. of the government being forced to do political work. So you are absolutely 100% barred if you are a federal employee. The president and the vice president are exempt. So they, even though they're federal employees, can engage in political conduct. But everyone from the White House, now it's important, Ivanka Trump said, I am here as the daughter of the president. Well, she is also an advisor to the president and she's paid in that role by us. Um, although, to divert for a minute, her and uh, her husband, Jared Kushner, announced their income for last year, which skyrocketed because they were taking advantage of everything they could get from the White House. They made $37 million last year. Oh my God, wow. While working full-time for the government. You tell me how. In just the last few weeks, Ivanka got, I, I'm sure I have the number wrong, but something like 18 patents and trademarks from China. From China, who the president is saying that Biden shouldn't be doing business with and that he's bad because he's doing, well, let me tell you, that family is benefiting from business with China, from his being president and giving a break to Ivanka. So, sorry for the diversion, but it does fit in with my general theme of the illegality of what was going on. It appalled me that, if, for example, the acting Secretary of Homeland Security, who is acting and has now been nominated, or the President said he would nominate him, but he's been illegally acting because he stayed longer than any acting is allowed to under our law. But skipping that illegality, they did a naturalization ceremony at the White House. They did not tell the five people selected for this that they were going to be on national television as part of a Republican political convention. So they started that with Marines standing at guard, opening the door for the president, trumpets blaring for his entrance, much like a monarch, and then conducting this ceremony with Chad Wolf. And it's pathetic to do that. This is not a political act. It shouldn't be a political act, and it was. Uh, when I saw the First Lady and the President marching out of the White House, coming down the circular grand staircase, again, looking like a monarch, and then when I saw the bad leadership he is displaying, the bad role model he is, of 1,500 people crammed shoulder to shoulder with maybe, I saw two masks out of those 1,500 people. I'm sure there were more than two. So if anybody counted 10, fine. But you would have to admit that almost no one was wearing masks and they were sitting too close together. Um, they used the Washington Monument, which sits right behind the White House, uh, for fireworks that spelled out Trump 2020. They used Park Service uh, employees, which again is another violation of the Hatch Act because they are federal employees. Um, so it, it's just wrong. It's, it's morally wrong. It's ethically wrong. It violates the norms. And for everybody except the president and the vice president, it violates the Hatch Act. 
And I am sure that people in the White House worked on setting things up, on, uh, on his speech, for example, on setting up the lawn. Uh, there's just so much wrong with this that it disturbs me that people aren't protesting in the streets. And we may have to divert a little because we're not maybe, what are we, 50 miles from Kenosha where the protests are going on now and where there was something that was horrible to me, but maybe we can, you know, we'll get to that after we talk about the convention. I, I would like to say some things about that. Yeah, I mean, um, so I think from your perspective, like the, it just, it was so many unlawful actions, you know, from the Hatch Act with um, just everything going on. It was like, like they were living in a lawless society. And I think to your point of this alter, alternate universe that they, were, that they were living in, you know, you have one part of the United States, the majority of the United States, trying to do their best to combat coronavirus. Um, you and I, we are both hunkering down at home. We are socially distancing. We are wearing masks. We are respecting the science and facts as we should. And then we have the RNC convention. We had, we saw Mike Pence speaking in front of his audience. We have Donald Trump speaking in front of his, his audience. And, you know, it was just so jarring to see 1,500 people pretend like there's nothing wrong at all. And then on top of that, you had basically every single speaker speaker referring to this COVID pandemic as if it passed. Um, they had, they, past you know, tense. They, past tense, right. They said, you know, it was, and now they're, you know, saying that the economic, that the economy is booming again, or they're saying that there will be a vaccine in no time. It's just, it's <laughs> such an alternate universe that it's, really scary to see like I, I don't know like I called Jill last night um, after Donald Trump gave his 70 minute speech um, <laughs> it was a long speech it was I mean like I, I do have to admit it probably played into his base because you know he apparently stuck he stuck to his teleprompter which I think is a clear indication that you know he wants to win over um, those people who might be a little undecided about him um, who you know would support him but maybe turned off by other aspects of him but I mean it was just such a weird convention, you know, we covered um, the DNC convention extensively the week before. His two delegates were really moved by how, you know, Joe Biden's uh, character came out. They really emphasized his empathy. They emphasized Kamala Harris's empathy. They, they emphasized just, you know, that that ticket, um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, as well as uh, Dr. Jill Biden, Kamala Harris's yeah. husband. It's just such a perfect, uh, you know, ticket to have. And then you have- Dr. Biden's Tom wife. Dr. Biden's- Dr. Yeah, Biden yeah. is- is Joe Biden's wife. You yes, guys yes. Think you said husband, but oh, <laughs> sorry, Kamala Harris's husband. Um, so that all four of them yeah. were are just such a perfect ticket uh, for 2020. But then you have uh, the RNC, which they so you had Ivanka, uh, Donald Trump Jr., you had Eric, Eric Trump, you had all these members of the Trump family trying to make Tiffany Trump appear. Tiffany got Tiffany to speak. Trump. Yeah, Tiffany Trump. Um, you had all these members of the Trump family try to um, make Donald Trump into a likable figure. But what I found so historically funny was that no matter how hard they tried, it, it, I, I, they don't they don't come off as you know genuine or sincere. You know, when they praise Donald Trump, it's like it, it's not sincere at all. Like we we saw Joe Biden's family um, praise him, but it was out of like sincerity and it was like genuine. But with Donald Trump's family, I don't know. I just felt like it, it was a little but bit odd with all the praise going on. Do you on. think, Victor, I, I wonder because I reacted pretty much the same way. Um, I also was doing fact checking during everybody's speeches and the list got way too long. We might, I mean, I'm sure everybody has been online seeing all the fact checking, but there were so many things and, and many of them were things that are so obviously false. 
he says, I passed the Veterans Choice Program. Veterans uh, Choice <laughs> became law in 2014. Yeah. 2014. It had nothing to do with him. So he did amend it. But he didn't say, I amended it. He said, I passed the Veterans Choice. He took credit for it, as you yes. know, he always does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, I mean, that bothered me. But do you think that his fans, his supporters, felt the same way watching the Democratic Convention, if they watched it? Do you think that they felt, this is not the person? Remember, he described Biden as he's been in he's been in politics for 47 years and he's done nothing. Why would he do anything in year 48? And I'm sure his people believe that. So if they believe that, then when they were watching ours and everybody was praising him and I mean, the stories about his humanity, his empathy, the example with the young man who stutters, who Joe Biden took under his wing and has helped because Joe Biden used to stutter. Um, and was helping him show him how to parse a speech so that he could talk on national television, which for someone who stutters is really a challenge. Um, I mean, those seemed very genuine, authentic, and moving to me. Um, as some of you may know, I, on the third night of the convention, Victor and I were going to do commentary, and when I started talking to Victor, I burst into tears and I couldn't stop crying. So we didn't record anything that night. We waited until after the fourth night uh, because I was genuinely moved by everything I was seeing and hearing and by the remarks that I believe to be completely true. And I did fact checking on both claim, you know, both conventions. And what I found was lie after lie after lie after lie. And propaganda says, say a big lie and say it loud and say it often and people will believe it. So I'm fearful, and I wonder if your generation is fearful, that enough people will believe it and will go out and vote for him and that they will believe not only the lies about him doing things, but his lies about um, that, for example, Biden is a socialist. He's a far left radical and he's going to destroy our suburbs. Or he's going to take away your Bible. He's going to tell you how many hamburgers you can eat. He's, I mean, these things and are- defund the police, which all like, Biden has never said uh, he wants to defund the police, but Republicans, I think what was so effective with this convention for the base at least, was the fact that they reiterated basically every single point they wanted to defund the police. Um, you know, they're going to come to your cities. You know, anyone who is a white, sub white in a suburban area, you know, fear for your lives. Watch out. Democrats, yeah. Watch out. Right. Democrats will come for you. It's just like they constantly ho um, uh, honed in on that point. And I thought that was effective for the base, especially to, I, you know, I, I was going to ask you because um, a lot of parallels were drawn between um, Nixon's convention as well as Trump's convention in the sense of just uh, stoking fear um, in yes. people and um, like I'm, I'm wondering for you like whether or not you saw that parallel and I guess what it was like what it's like is it worse now in terms of um, the, the speaker is kind of making fear such a central component of their message you know was that uh, similar to Nixon? Well in I, I mean I have to say I think almost everything that Donald Trump does is worse than anything that Richard Nixon did. Richard Nixon was a crook and he suffered the penalties he was forced out of office. He resigned rather than be convicted on impeachment charges. Um, and that's a pretty stiff penalty. He did get pardoned, so he never got indicted for any federal crimes. 
and he never got indicted for any state crimes. In the case of Donald Trump, both are possible. If he loses the election, he could be indicted either federally or by the states. The states could indict him right now. There's no reason why they can't. Um, there's no incorrect legal analysis, which I believe the Office of Legal Counsel is. But Richard Nixon started what was called the Southern Strategy. And it was based on similar raising fears and scaring people. Um, and remember, he was following, and this you'd have to comment on Trump saying, I am the best thing for the black community since Abraham Lincoln. Now that skips the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act, and all the other things that have happened, including just having Obama as a role model, showing that a black president is a possibility. It's not a possibility, it's a reality. And that someone who looks like me, not, I'm sorry, not like me, but someone who looks like my black friends could be president in the same way that Hillary and Kamala show me that a woman could be president or vice president. Yeah. Something that when I was growing up was unthinkable. And you know, for you, you've grown up with working women and maybe it's more thinkable, but for me, that wasn't even a remote possibility. Mm -hmm. So I think the fear is much worse now and it's, it's much more um, clearly stated. Donald Trump is, I have to say, honest. He tells you what he's thinking. So he'll tell you, yeah, I don't want you voting by mail because voting by mail means the Republicans are gonna lose. So I'm gonna do everything I can to stop voting by mail. He tells you he's gonna commit a crime. He doesn't mind saying it out loud. Whereas Nixon was clearly said a lot of racist and anti-Semitic things, although he probably could have pronounced Yosemite. Um, I, I think he probably could have. Um, but he did say anti-Semitic things, but he did it. It's, we only know that because we got tape recordings of private meetings. Donald Trump says things that are racist, that are clearly intended to be things like, watch out or your suburbs are gonna be destroyed. Watch out or they're gonna rezone and there's gonna be multifamily dwellings in your neighborhood. And he's clearly communicating exactly what he means, which is watch out or the black and brown people are gonna move into your neighborhood. And I hope people recognize what he's saying. I think they, they do, because I think it's pretty obvious. But I do think his racism is worse than Richard Nixon's. And you also have to put it in context. There was still a poll tax. There was still segregation. Um, one of my law school classmates was James Meredith, who helped integrate schools. And so this was, you know, I lived through a time of segregation and um, Jim Crow laws. And um, one of my partners, when I left Watergate, I joined a firm, Fried Frank, Shriver and Campbellman and Pat Harris was uh, a partner. She's African-American and became secretary of health education. Well, it's had different names, but health and human services. Um, anyway, she became a cabinet secretary in the Carter administration obviously a brilliant woman, a great lawyer, and a pioneer um, who had a male secretary, which was 
very pioneering back then. And I remember walking with her one day and saying something. She, she grew up in the Washington area and she, she said, oh, I couldn't go there. That was segregated. Oh, taxi cabs, there were cabs for colored people and there were cabs for white people. And I couldn't drink from that fountain. And if you knew Pat Harris, she was one of the most elegant and wonderful people. To think that she could have been lynched, that she was barred from civil society, which I guess brings us back, I have to, have to mention Kenosha again, because yeah, yeah. here you have in Kenosha, you have Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times, who is paralyzed, who has damage to many organs, because each shot hit a different part of his body, severed his spinal cord. He's shackled to his bed, paralyzed, but he's shackled to his bed. The police had him by the shirt. They were holding him by the shirt when they thought, and things aren't clear because we haven't seen body cams and there don't appear to be body cams. We don't have the whole story, but one story is that they thought he was going to reach for a knife in his car. And so they shot him, even though they could have easily just grabbed him and pulled him out of the car because he was black. And a white vigilante with a long gun, bigger than a rifle. I mean, there's a long gun strap. I think it was, strap. I think it was an AK-47 or one, one of I, those I, it's military not, style. Yeah, it was probably, I don't know what it was, but it was a long gun strapped to his body, people running after him shouting, he killed people, he shot people, he shot people. And he approaches a police car, puts his hands up, and they drive right past him because he's white. He's a white gunman and they just drive right past him and let him go. He wasn't arrested on the spot. He may have a defense for his shooting. Uh, today I heard he's claiming that it was self-defense. Okay, fine. If a black person shot in self-defense and approached a policeman carrying a rifle, he either would have been shot dead or he would have been arrested. So it's a horrible thing that Mr. Blake was shot. It's horrible and I hope the ACLU or someone else files a lawsuit to have him unshackled. That is cruel and unusual punishment. Our constitution does not allow that. But that was horrible. But equally horrible is letting the gunman go when people are shouting, he shot people. They knew and they just went right by him and that is so wrong. And apparently the police were consorting with white racists who were gathered there. So the police force of Kenosha, the sheriff's office and the, the chief of police and the sheriff, there's been calls for both of them to be forced out of office. Mm -hmm. um, we need to say, we don't know the facts and we have to wait for all the facts, but it doesn't matter what the facts are. A, black man was shot and a white man with a long gun was let go. Yeah. Now he has been captured in Illinois. He's from Illinois, just over the Wisconsin border. So he is, he is now arrested. Um, and they've put off deciding about whether to transfer him to Wisconsin uh, to stand trial or uh, I can't imagine why they wouldn't, but 
anyway, sorry for the yeah. diversion, but no, I mean, obviously I mean, I'm wrapped up about this. So I'm really- yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of related to what I had to say about um, another thing that I thought was striking during this convention, which was how much they, I think it's one thing to say, you know, I don't think anyone um, supports violence on the streets or looting or, or anything like that. It's one thing to say, you know, don't, don't be violent, don't loot, don't destroy these businesses. But then it's another thing to say, you know, if you elect Joe Biden, that will only worsen. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't think they realize that this is happening under their watch. And, you know, it, it, they could easily come out and provide this unifying message saying that we support protests, we don't want looting. Um, but then don't start attacking Joe Biden and saying that, like, you know, once he comes into office, he's going to start, you know, making violence even worse. Like, I, that's just so baseless and, and so untrue. And it's just, I find that really striking. And um, I, I hope everyone your age has the uh, intellectual intelligence that you have because you've hit it on the head. Donald Trump throughout this convention, so going back to the convention, Donald Trump during the convention has tried to portray himself as I am the law and order president. I and I alone can protect you. And if you let the Democrats take over, chaos will reign and um, he also blames all democratic cities for being in chaos. This is in his, his jurisdiction. This is in his term of office. So what does he mean? It's going to get bad. How much worse could it be than it is right now? Yeah. And it is, it, you're, you're completely correct. It's just totally absurd that he's saying things will get worse. Um, and it's hard to claim I'll make America great again. He can't use that because he didn't do it in four years. So that sounds pretty bad to say, but I'll do it now in my next four years. Um, uh, it's, it is a very sad state of affairs. And I fear though that a lot of Republicans are going to vote for him anyway. I'm very, um, you know, we've already had on our show, Rick Wilson, and we will be having Steve Schmidt and you saw at the Democratic convention, many, many Republicans who are now turning against Donald Trump and are coming and, out for Joe Biden. And also during the RNC convention, I think the first day you had um, ex-McCain staffers or, or something like that, you had uh, ex-Republicans yeah. come out and say that. And then the day when Donald Trump was about to speak, you had like, there were three big articles that said, you know, uh, like hundreds of staffers of former Republican staffers come out and um, support Joe Biden as president, which is like, you know, better late than never. But, you know, I think that's a, hopefully a good sign. But I think what I'm looking for after the convention, you know, I don't think anyone quite knows, you know, any political pundit or analyst knows, you know, what, what these conventions will have on the polls. Um, after the DNC convention, I think there was sl a slight bump in terms of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, not much in terms of um, whether or not they'll actually vote for Joe Biden and whether or not that translates to- um, But a lot of money, I, they raised a lot of money. A lot of money, yes, which is good. Um, but in terms of the RNC convention, I think what'll be interesting to see is just whether or not um, more people, I think, are enthusiastic about voting for Donald Trump given uh, about like his base. So like, um, We'll see, like in 2016, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, like I don't know if it was 60 percent or 70 percent of like the, his Republican base for now. Um, we'll see if that increases this time. But I think that's his main strategy: is just to, you know, he doesn't have to please any Democrats, which is, you know, we will always be disgusted by his by his message, his rhetoric. But all he has to do is to please um, some of those Republicans who might be a little on edge about, well, you know, supporting him. Democrats are the majority of Americans, yeah. and. This is a turnout election. 
So anyone who sits this out is hurting the chance of Democrats winning. We need turnout. Uh, if 60 or 70 or 80 percent of, if 100 percent of Republicans vote for Donald Trump, he will still lose if 100 percent of Democrats vote for Joe Biden. And I, I will say that the Republican convention was packaged well and um, was effective in its messaging. And they hit all the notes for their base. Yeah, for uh, their base. <laughs> the, for their base. They made no attempt at expanding the base. They weren't mm -hmm. trying mm -hmm. to attract any, yeah. e even, for example, even all the Republicans who have turned against them, the Lincoln Project people, um, Governor Whitman, uh, uh, Carly Fiorini, who ran for president yeah. uh, uh, in the primaries, uh, all of those people, he's not trying to get them back. He's just going for his hardcore supporters. And that was enough to win the first time. So guys, be scared. It could work again. He could easily win a second time unless Democrats come out to vote. I think Bernie Sanders has been very clear for his supporters. It's either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and you have to vote for Joe Biden. Do not sit this out, vote. Yeah. So I'm just hoping, and I think people my age see a similarity to um, what happened in World War II and how fascism and Nazis took over. And we don't wanna see that happen here. And so we're hoping that younger people get the importance of having the right to vote and the importance of exercising the right to vote. Today's march in DC, um, I heard Martin Luther King III um, speak and he, he basically was saying, if you wanna honor my father, my, I guess it's grandfather, my grandfather, um, use your vote. That's important. And be a drum major. Don't be a follower. You have to, he says, not enough for you to register. Make sure you take someone else with you to register. Make sure you vote and make sure someone else votes. And think about how if we all multiply that, if I get someone new to vote and that person gets someone new to vote, then the Democrats will win for sure. And I, I think it's an existential threat to democracy if we don't stop these violations of our laws. And having someone ironically claim he's the law and order president while he is violating every single law that I can think of. Um, and last week, I think we talked about some of the cases that have uh, been decided saying he has to turn over his tax returns, saying that um, the emoluments case can go forward, saying he cannot block people from his at real Donald, um, I think that's the real name, at real Donald, um, Twitter. his Twitter account. Um, and his argument was, well, it's not my official account. My official account is at POTUS. And the court said, you use it to announce firings, hirings, and policies, and it is a public tool, it's a communication tool of the White House, and therefore you cannot block any American from, you can't block anybody from it. And uh, he's taking that to the Supreme Court now. Yeah. So, and I'm proud to say that a friend of mine was the original judge, a law school classmate of mine was the judge 
who decided at the district court level, wow. federal district court level, that he could not block people. And now the oh, Second good. Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld that. And he, he's not accepting it. He's going to appeal it, um, which if he loses, it's not going to matter much. But if he doesn't lose, would could matter. Um, and, you know, he doesn't want to have anybody who criticizes him on Twitter, period. Yeah. So... So many yep. things, so many things <laughs> yes. went wrong For at sure. the Republican convention. And um, I, I did try, try to tweet multiple it times. It was difficult to live tweet throughout that convention. It was like, why did you find you... it difficult? Because you kids are used to multitasking and watching 12 things at once. I'm old enough that I can handle two or three, but not 12. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was trying to watch and type as fast as I could, but like every single t time I try to type something, something else would pop up and it just kind of snowballed into like, like by the end I was like, where do I even begin? Like I sent out like five tweets and then by the end there were like 12 others that I haven't even touched. So it was like, um, that was yeah. just a whole convention for me, at least live tweeting. It, it, it was hard because there were so many things. And occasionally I would go and I would do a fact check. Like when he said veterans choice, I went, I know that that happened in the Obama. And so I checked it and sure enough, it was 2014. Yeah. Um, there were many things. Historically black colleges, he claimed that he did all these great things for. Well, it doesn't appear anywhere, you know, that I could find. Um, yeah. There were so many lies and illegalities and um i i ended up and and also i didn't want to be mean you know and there were things that i would have said about certain speakers that i thought were just despicable and so i held my tongue and didn't say it if i had something constructive to say saying here's a threat or here's why you should be concerned um much like msnbc did which was they would stop covering and say, we just heard something we think is dangerous for you to hear without hearing the facts. And the facts are, this is not true. And I thought that was a good thing. It did mean that you might miss some of the less important speakers, but some of the stuff that was said about foreign policy, um, they had Ben Rhodes on and he was terrific. Uh, and today there are many compilations of the 20 biggest lies told and things like that. Um, and everyone should go online and, and find the fact checking on the speech because it may sound good, but it's not true. And when he says these things about Joe Biden is a socialist, I mean, of course, the uh, Bernie Sanders supporters think he's not even liberal enough to be considered a good candidate. Uh, they want someone much more liberal. So you can't have it both ways. He can't be too illiberal for them, but he's a socialist to the Republicans. I, I mean, there's no way. Um, so I think there were a lot of things like that that are important to keep in mind. And, and again, I just wonder if his voters watched our convention, which they probably didn't, but if they had, would they have thought, what alternative universe are these people living in? Donald Trump didn't do that. He's not a bad person. He's a good person. He, he cut taxes. Yeah, he cut taxes for the rich people. Didn't help anybody much, you know, certainly no one in your generation got helped, but, but most Americans didn't get helped. And, you know, a minimum wage that's a living wage is a goal of the Democrats. It's not 
I guarantee you the Republicans will never pass a living wage. They want to take away the tax that funds Medicare and Social Security. So if you're a senior and you're voting for Donald Trump, you are voting against your own economic interests. Um, I am not a one-issue voter, and it disturbs me when there are people who will vote just one issue um, and ignore everything else. And um, I'm Jewish, so I can say that there are Jewish organizations that are you know, supporting Donald Trump because of Israel. I think it's wrong and you have to balance things. I believe very fervently that um, no one is perfect, but you have to say, okay, with Donald Trump, this is what I get. With Joe Biden, this is what I get. And for me, the scales just go Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Yes. And, um, uh, but I think, you know, obviously everyone has to get the facts and make a judgment of what's the right outcome for them and for their family and what's best for them. But they shouldn't be misled to think, for example, if they're a middle-class family, if someone's working two jobs to make it, Donald Trump is not going to help you. He simply isn't. And so don't be fooled. Pay attention to the reality. Pay attention to the platform that the Democrats have and what they are gonna work for. Don't believe Donald Trump when he says, I will protect pre-existing conditions. He's in court right now trying to abolish the entire ACA, including pre-existing conditions. So that's just a lie. And if you are counting on covering your 25-year-old child next year, don't count on it being available if Donald Trump is reelected. It won't be. So... Um, I, I, I'm just one of those people who thinks facts matter and we have to pay attention to those facts. And I think you have to be careful in reading. This is a problem that, let me ask you this, for your generation who grew up with the internet and with social media, if you don't really do a careful curation of your sources, you could get some bot from Russia or some crazy person uh, you could get someone like uh, Rittenhouse, who just killed two people, um, and who, you know, issues an opinion. If you accept that without checking the facts behind it, that's a problem in casting your ballot. You need to have the real information before you cast your ballot. Do you think that your generation has been trained to do critical thinking and critical analysis of what they're reading and what the source is before accepting it as true? Yeah, um, so I, I don't want my generation to hate me after this, but um, I, I, I will admit, um, so I think after George, I think, so for me, if prior to George Floyd, I would have said like, absolutely not. Like, I don't think young people really care about facts. I think they just like scroll through them, believe anything they see on the internet um, and that's that. But I think after George Floyd's protest, um, there was a lot more willingness to verify facts, to really look at these race-related issues, at least, and say, you know, is this right? They would, they would go on Instagram, instead of just scrolling through, they would actually read some of the posts and read some of the facts, and then maybe check on a source, see if that is credible. But for me, at least, I think that a lot of these skills have to be taught um, at the high school or middle school level, especially because, so 
during my junior year, um, I took a class called AP Literature, no, AP Language and Composition. The teacher was amazing. She, we had to write a research paper. And um, to my knowledge, um, not every class, even at my school, is required to do a research paper. But with that research paper, she really emphasized how whenever we look at facts, you know, there are primary sources, there are secondary sources, there are, whenever you look at facts, it's not just like when you read an article, a New York Times article, there are like links embedded within those articles yes. that bring you to yes. the original source. And instead of just looking at the New York Times article, as credible as that may be, you know, look at the original source, go back and check those facts. It may take a little while longer, but you're getting the accurate information. I think that was that moment, just writing this 10 page research paper. So if Ms. Keller, if you're listening, like, thank you. But like, you know, I thought that was um, a really important lesson that I learned from her class, which was just don't believe everything that you read on New York Times or in Politico or on CNN. You know, click on that blue you know link that's included in the in the text and then um you'll look at the original source because oftentimes even the new york times and the cnn they may spin things just a little bit to um to help them frame their message if, if that makes sense but um i think i think it's really important for young people and for teachers and for these skills to be you know really um taught throughout the younger ages because i think you know with technology only increasing and with us staring at our computers now um I think those those critical thinking skills are really important for young it's people. That I can't stress how important I think what you said is. Um, I too, when I read online, if I'm going to do commentary, I can't just read the headline. I can't just read the article. I have to click on, if they say so-and-so was indicted, I read the indictment because I need to know more than the people who are watching the TV. Yeah. But it'd be nice if they also knew the same amount. and. If, if it's not, if you're not reading something where it's embedded, for example, if you're actually reading an, a newspaper, heaven forbid, but if you actually are holding a, a newspaper, you can go to your computer and say, show me, so, uh, you know, show me the indictment. Or if he says something, if anybody says anything, including Joe Biden, check to see, you know, if they claim that such and such costs so much money, um, Go look it up. It's easy. My, I, I, I uh, had a computer problem last night and I w had someone controlling my computer from remotely and fixing it. So I couldn't do certain things during it. And then I, my TV had a problem, so I couldn't watch. I was recording, but Donald Trump went so over that I actually missed the last part of his speech and I missed part of the fireworks and my outrage at Leonard Cohen's hallelujah being used. And apparently it was a cover by, I forgot the singer's name, a woman, Kelly, Carrie, um, who has gotten so much flack on social media that she had to come out and say, they didn't ask my permission to use my cover of Leonard Cohen's hallelujah. And Leonard Cohen was a very liberal, he was Canadian, he's not even American, but he would not have approved of Donald Trump, and I'm sure he wouldn't have let Donald Trump use his song. Um, but I missed that, so I went onto YouTube and said, fireworks from tonight, and I could watch them. Um, and it, I, you know, I just think that we all need to get to the primary source. So the primary source, if an article is about Steve Bannon being indicted, it's not the New York Times that's the original source. It may be a hundred years from now, uh, it'll be contemporaneous reporting and that has some credibility, but the 
only thing that really matters is what did the indictment say? And so I, I always try to go to the original source and to someone with real initial knowledge of, of something. And, and Jill, you know, you as a lawyer, you are trained to look at both sides of the argument. I think for young people sometimes, um, not sometimes, I, I think sadly there is this tendency for young people especially to kind of look at things from one lens only that will satisfy, I think, their existing beliefs. So like um, when we talk about like a lot of the Bernie Sanders folks, I think a big part of why they are so reluctant to support someone like Joe Biden is because they are so steadfast on their own beliefs that they're unwilling to listen to other beliefs or read up on opposing arguments. So I think for young people, especially as we head into the general election, like, you know, yesterday, um, I saw something on Twitter right after the RNC convention, um, a group of protesters surrounded uh, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, I think his state is, or one Southern state at least. Um, and they were, they threw a bicycle at him. They were shouting at him and they were saying, uh, the protesters were saying to Rand Paul, you know, say her name, you know, her referring to Brianna Taylor. Um, the thing is that they don't realize that Senator Rand Paul was the person who, you know, while he is Republican, while we may not like him for certain issues, he was the person who actually started the legislation. I think it was called like the, um, like the Justice for Brianna Taylor Act. And so I think, you know, oftentimes it's up to young people, I think now, as we head into the general election. Well, to look at both it's not just young people, Victor. And, and everyone. I think everyone <laughs> yeah. chooses the media I mean, really, we watch what reinforces our own viewpoints. Mm -hmm. People who watch Fox News are watching something that reflects what they already yeah. thought. And they aren't saying, well, that's one point of view. Let me get another. I try to watch Fox News so that I see what the other side is. I watched the RNC. I didn't watch just the DNC because I want to see for myself. So what I saw is what I'm talking about now, not what someone else told me, it's what I heard people saying. And that is a very important life lesson for all of us, uh, your generation, my generation, and everybody in between, is to make sure you're getting a variety of sources of information and that those sources are credible. It's not just that you heard your friend of two years say, well, I think X. Well, okay, they may think X, ask them, what is it based on? Uh, it's been interesting to watch reporters talking to uh, people from the RNC convention saying, or even not from the convention, just Republicans and saying, so are you still supporting him? You voted for him four years ago. Yes, I feel safer because he's president. Well, what did he do that you liked especially? No, oh, he just makes me feel safe. They, they cannot give you, I was on a plane ride in the obviously before COVID when we still flew. And I was sitting next to a young gentleman, I maybe in his twenties, I would guess, um, who at first said he loved MSNBC, but clearly had no idea what MSNBC was because he was clearly a Trump supporter. And so I tried to engage him in a conversation about you know, why he supported Trump and what he thought Trump did that made his life better. Um, and I think everyone has to ask now, am I better off now than I was, exactly. you know, four years ago? Exactly, uh, yeah. and, and is COVID being handled well enough that I feel like safe? Is he a role model for my children? Is he a role model for how to protect ourselves? Anyway, um, my conversation ended up ending because he had no facts. And so I couldn't have a conversation. I can only debate facts. I can't debate your opinion, your opinion, you're entitled to your opinion, but your opinion should be based on
hardcore information. And if you show me a fact and say, look, he cut this tax, he rolled back this regulation, well, I mean, okay, I would argue, for example, on some of his environmental, look at our environment right now. Think about where we are, and I think I would say that rolling back was not good for this country. But at least we could talk about it because we agreed that he rolled back certain things. We can then argue about what are the consequences of those. But if you don't agree on the basic premises, then there's no way to have that discussion. So yeah. hopefully this, that might be the best takeaway from this conversation is yeah, that everybody yeah. needs to really get into the, the original documents and the facts. And okay, so just to wrap before we uh, talk about our shirts. Um, uh, so I think we all remember what happened in 2016. Um, after the election, um, you know, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but I think a large part as to why she didn't ultimately win was because a lot of the Democrats who maybe supported Bernie Sanders or some of the independents were just turned off by both candidates. Uh, my biggest fear with co this convention, and we'll see maybe after the polling is that what Donald Trump essentially conveyed was, you know, for anyone who happens to be in that middle. They don't support either Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Maybe they're turned off by both candidates and they're just going to sit this election out. Um, that is not okay in 2020. We saw what happened in 2016. We got Donald Trump. And because we got Donald Trump, um, we are in the mess that we are in right now. So um, I think my message just for my generation is like, you know, if you supported Bernie Sanders in the primary, that's fine. Um, now you have either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, no matter what Donald Trump said about Joe Biden, don't be turned off by, you know, go, go look at the facts, go look at Joe Biden's records and then vote. Um, don't set this one out because I think we all know how important this one, this election is. And if one person sits out, they, that may hurt our chances in um, November. So just to- I, I would say it even more simply. Yeah. Joe Biden is a lot closer to Bernie Sanders than Donald, than Donald Trump, Trump is. Trump. Right, right. In terms yeah. of the things you wanted to accomplish with Sanders, and I respect all of you who felt that way, and many of his policies are, they're great policies. Yeah. You're not going to get anything close to that with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And if you don't vote for Joe Biden, remember the Electoral College can be had by him. And by the way, he, one of the other things he said last night, and most people didn't catch this, was he was against the District of Columbia becoming a state because they would get two senators and they're liberal. Well, and, was that Mitch McConnell or was that Donald Trump? No, it was I Donald think, Trump, I think. Oh, was it Donald Trump? Okay. I think it was that, well, whoever, if it wasn't Donald Trump, it doesn't matter, the thing was said. Right, right. And so I checked, I went online and said, okay, how many people live in the District of Columbia? 5.2 million people live in the District of Columbia. So then I looked up, how many people live in Wyoming? How many live in Idaho? How many live in North Dakota? And those three states don't equal the District of Columbia. So if the District of Columbia doesn't get entitled to have its two senators, then I think all of those states should give up theirs. And I, I mean, we could pick which five states we want to give up that have two, you know how many people are in, I think it was Wyoming is 528,000. The District of Columbia has 5.2 million. They have 10% of the oh population and they have two senators and that's ridiculous. I, I'm sure that's, they're basing their argument because if we get Washington DC, that might hurt their 
chances in the House and the Senate. But well, exactly. Think... <laughs> of course it will. It would yeah. mean two more liberal senators. Right. Because but, the mean... District of Columbia does tend to be liberal. But that's not the point. Right. So point. does Illinois. So does California. Do we lose our votes? Yeah, no. Yeah. And why do they, I mean, California could be divided into three states and it would still have a bigger population yeah. than many states, if not most states. So obviously the government wasn't set up based on an equal distribution. That was not the intent. It, it was deliberately not. But to say that the District of Columbia people should be disenfranchised. And I lived in the right. District of Columbia for a number of years. So I know what it's like to be disenfranchised. And that's not right. It just isn't right. Yeah. So um, anyway, oh. it's just one more thing to point yeah. out. I don't know why it just occurred to me now. But. So well, this, anyway. is, this has been um, a long and fun podcast. I hope, um, you know, we, we went through the main points. Um, you know, there's just, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but we want to respect your time. Um, but I think we should wrap this portion of the, the conversation up and then um, talk about our shirts. We, um, so I uh, ordered these intergenerational politics shirt. You know, we are, uh, we're going to have some fun discussions going into Let's election see. day. And yeah, maybe you can stand up for those of you watching. We, this is what the shirt looks like. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, excuse yeah, me. Will... <laughs> Hi. Uh, okay. Could you sit down? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. Good ending. <laughs> Yes, um, that was. Uh, I was about to get my face licked. <laughs> yes, that was Jill's dog, um, Brisby. But so yeah, um, he's been very good. He hasn't interrupted until now. <laughs> yeah, he always comes in at that very end, which yeah. is I find. He seems impressive. to know. Yeah. It's sort of like okay, <laughs> Jill, wrap it up and get out here. <laughs> For sure, yes. But um, we hope you enjoyed this discussion. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts any podcast streaming service you use. Um, we're gonna have Steve Schmidt on next week, as well as Ben Wickler, who is the head of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. So next week is really geared towards, you know, how can we um, really emphasize the stakes of election and how can we turn out as many people as possible. But we hope you turn in, tune into that. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. Good night.